as a business person, I feel like I'm asking God for courage every day. Uh, I could be dealing with a tough HR issue, or I could be making a tough financial or operational uh, decision. And I know that uh, so many times he's come through for me and he's delivered. Amen, huh? Good morning. Glad to see you made it out. You know, rough in the elements. You ever, uh, ever in your car and you're thinking, boy, am I glad I'm alive. Well, years ago, I uh, had an experience like that. I, I was uh, driving by myself, and um, it was late at night. All I wanted to do was get home and get to my bed. And I was on this two-lane highway and uh, cruising along. And I don't know if you've ever had this. Driving, you think you're perfectly awake, and your eyes are open. And then all of a sudden, with eyes open, I started to dream. You ever get that way where you're so quiet? All of a sudden, I was like, whoa, wait. You know, and so I, I slapped myself in the face, and that kind of helps for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I, I started dozing off again. And I shake my head, and I actually rolled down the window back when they were this way. And I, you know, had the summer breezes blowing in, and I'm driving along, and it was good for a few minutes, but next thing I knew, I woke up, and headlights were heading straight at me. I mean, it was like, duh! I cut the wheel to the right. They cut their wheel to their right, which would have been my left. They go off the road, down into the gravel, and in my rearview mirror, as I'm getting back on the road, you know, on my side of the road, I see in the rearview mirror, they made it back, and they got back on the road behind me, and I thought, oh boy, am I glad I'm alive. Talk about staying awake. The rest of the way home, I did. I was scared awake. You know, we're all on a journey in our lives. We're all heading down the road. And some of us um, know exactly where we're going. <laughs> Others of us, we, uh, you know, are just kind of making it through the day, but we're just trying to keep going forward, you know. There's something about our lives, though, that every one of us, I think, uh, have to be aware of. And that is, as we're going down life's journey, we can have a tendency to fall asleep at the wheel. We can have a tendency to drift, to get off track, to, you know, um, not be going in the direction that we are supposed to be going. We're in this series entitled, Courageous. It's a study through the first 11 chapters of the book of Joshua. And it's really about the nation of Israel, that they uh, were in the wilderness for 40 years, and the book of Joshua is all about getting into the land that God had promised them. And uh, as today we continue on in Joshua chapter 5, we're going to see that the nation of Israel, as a nation, got off track. They they fell asleep at the wheel. They drifted uh, from the right side of the road and where God desired for them to be. It's really an experience that every one of us can relate to. And yet we're also going to see this morning that they got back on track and, uh, and the value of getting back on track. They, they woke up. They became alert to God's ways. And as we continue in this series, I, I hope that we'll be able to relate to how they got off track and back on track, and, uh, and I think it'll 
apply to our lives as well. So just to bring us all up to speed on where we're at. So the nation of Israel has been wandering in the wilderness, like I said, for 40 years. There's like over a million of them. And uh, as we, as they were being led by Moses, but now Moses had died and Joshua was now the leader of the nation and he was going to bring them into the promised land. And so, uh, well, God was going to bring them, but led under the leadership of, of Joshua. And there was only one little glitch. They were on the east side of the Jordan River, and the promised land was on the west side of the Jordan River. And how do you get a million people across the river without, you know, getting attacked and all that kind of stuff? And so, so what God did was he stopped up the River Jordan so that the entire nation could walk on dry ground into the promised land. Now, here's the result of them entering into the promised land. Here's how it had an effect on the people that were living there at the time. In Joshua chapter 5 and verse 1, we read these words. It says, Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, that would be between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, all the people there heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed. And their hearts melted. And there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. What this did was it confirmed to all of those people west of the Jordan River that their fears about Israel and about the God of Israel, uh, their, their fear of them, it was, it, it was legitimate. They knew that these Israelites had come out of slavery in Egypt and this whole idea that God was with them, leading them, uh, what, you know, it made the news. Everybody knew about it. For the last 40 years, everybody remembered when God parted the Red Sea and the nation of Israel was to go in there. And now he stops up the water of the Jordan and everybody's like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do with all these people that are coming into our land? They were all really, really nervous. As a matter of fact, as it says here, their hearts melted within them. So here we were, here they were, the Israelites. (laughs) You know, ready to settle into their new land. So the question is, what do they do first? I mean, what's the next step? Well, they heard from the Lord that they had gotten off track. And the first order of business now is to get back on track. He calls them to wake up, to crank the wheel, to get back where He wants them to be, to align their lives with God again. And I think we can learn from their experience. The first thing we're going to learn is how we get off track with the Lord. How we get off track with Him. Uh, When we see that we are off track, we're off track, one reason why is because we don't pass on our faith. We can get off track because we don't pass on the faith that we have, the faith that is ours. Look at verse 2 of Joshua 5. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make for yourself flint knives, and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. Now before I read on, a flint knife. It's a knife made out of flint stone. And uh, in the first hour, for some reason it struck me that it's flint stones. I know it's dumb, but I couldn't get past it. Well, what you do is you just chip this stone, this stone that's a flint, and it makes a really sharp edge immediately, and so these stones that were made into knives were easy to make, they were cheap, and of course they were disposable. And so he made all these knives out of flint, 
And it says that uh, he circumcised the sons of Israel a second time. Now, it doesn't mean that he circumcised them twice. We'll see what it means as we uh, read on here in the next verses. So Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haaraloth. Now, by the way, Gibeath Haaraloth is uh, only mentioned here in the entire Bible. It literally means the hill of foreskins because uh, you just think a million people, the, the men, and it wasn't just Joshua doing it. He had a whole bunch of people doing it so that the whole nation would be circumcised, all the guys. Verse 8 will highlight that a little bit more. But we continue reading in verse 4. This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all men of war, which by the way, that means 20 years old and older, died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out, from, uh, out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. They had not passed on their covenant promise that they made to God. They didn't keep it alive. They didn't pass on their commitment to the Lord. They didn't hand that down to their children. The, the generation there neglected to pass on their faith to the next generation. Our faith, our relationship with the Lord is not something given to us to keep to ourselves. Our relationship to the Lord, our commitment to Him is given to us so that we would give it to others, so that we would pass it on. Jesus even said in Matthew 28, this great commission that He gives us, He says, go into all the world and make disciples. We're not just supposed to be about making ourselves a disciple. We're supposed to go and make disciples of other people. Help other people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus says, go and preach the gospel to all the world. So we hear the gospel. We love the gospel. We believe Jesus died for our sins that were made right by God because of what Jesus has done for us. But that's not something just to keep to ourselves. This good news we're supposed to tell others. We're to pass it on. And for the next generation, it's our responsibility to make sure that they receive this same commitment to the Lord as well. Now, I've oftentimes heard parents say things like, well, you know, I want my child to make their own choices about religion. I want my child to make their own choices about faith or about God. The reality is we don't work in a vacuum. The reality is our children are influenced by us. And our children are influenced by the world around them. And if we are passive about passing on our faith to, the, to our kids, to the next generation, there's a good chance that Jesus will not be important to them. If Jesus is important to us, if Jesus is near and dear to our hearts, we have to be intentional about instilling this into the next generation. If we don't pass on our faith, we are off track. And we run a high risk that the next generation will be off track as well. Well, the second way we get off track is we, we stop listening. We just stop listening. The Lord wants to lead us and guide us, and yet... Our ears seem to close. This is what happened with the Israelites. Look at verse 6. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt, 
perished, and here's why they perished, because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn that He would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. They didn't listen to the voice of the Lord. Any of you uh, heard about an alpine slide? Have you heard about an al- Have you ever ridden on an alpine slide? You know what an alpine slide is? You? Well, an alpine slide, let me tell you and everybody else who may not know. An alpine slide is what uh, ski resorts do to generate income in the summertime. Right now, they're, you know, got a lot of snow on them and, and people are skiing. But in the summertime, they have these tracks. They're like, it looks kind of like a luge track, you know? It's made out of cement or it's made out of fiberglass. And basically, you get up uh, on, at, to the, you t- ride the chairlift to the top of this mountain, and then you have this um, sled underneath you. It's got wheels underneath it. And this track, you know, goes down, and, and it winds around, and it dips, and then it has, like, curved this way, curved that way. You ride all the way down the mountain on this cool track. So the, the, the sled, I was up in northern Minnesota. I think it's called the Ludson Mountains in north of Ely, or Eli, however you say it, way up, way up in the northern Minnesota one. And uh, some friends of mine and I were on this alpine slide, and, and uh, the, you get on the sled, and the, there's a joystick in the middle. And the joystick in the middle is forward, you go fast, or you go forward, and if you want to slow down, you pull back on the joystick. And when you're up there, you know, the guy's telling you how to operate the thing and everything, and he goes, you know, just take it easy, get, get used to it, whatever. I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 whatever. So I get on the sled, and I'm thinking... I see the track ahead of me. I see how it winds around. I see how even in the curves, it kind of has a high bank and everything. I'm like, I'm going full bore. I'm gonna, I am going to have fun, you know. So I push the joystick forward, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to see if I can actually not pull it backwards. So I start out kind of slow. Then I hit the first dip. <laughs> zooming this way and zooming that way and I'm having a good time, you know, and I'm like, whoa, you know, and I'm like, whoa, this is really fun. There's signs along the way, you know, caution, dip, uh, slow down, uh, curve ahead, you know, and this is like, curve ahead, slow down, yeah, right, whatever. Okay, here we go, you know, and I'm thinking with that nice high bank, it's, it's engineered to keep me on the track, kind of like a luge track, you know, it'd keep you on the track, typically. I'm flying. I mean, I'm going like 5,000 miles an hour <laughs> down this mountain, having a blast, and there's this huge curve. And I'm talking, the, 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 the bank is like way up high. I hit that bank, whoosh, and then whoosh, airborne into the bush. I mean, I flew literally off the track. Now, I had long sleeve shirt, I had jeans on, but I am like stuck in the bush. And I am cut up, I am scraped up. I like get out of the bush, I grab my cart, you know, and people are just zooming by me nice and pleasant like. And I finally find a gap and I kind of get back on and then I forward and, and as I'm going, I'm like, oh, easy, easy. Easy, don't take this too fast, you know, just kind of go, oh, okay, caution, got it, got it. You know, I'm like obeying the signs as I go. And I, I think that this is maybe what happens in life. 
that we tend to say, you know what? I'm just going to go full bore. <laughs> I'm just going to go forward and, and I'm going to go fast. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm just going to kind of go with it as fast as I can. And we ignore that God is trying to get our attention. We ignore that God has got some signs that he wants us to pay attention to. And we just kind of keep going forward. Like, for instance, he might say, hey, caution, caution. Wait a minute. Wait on that decision. Don't rush into it. The grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side of the hill. I don't think that's a good move for you. He might be wanting to say that to us, but we know we're going forward. Might say, slow down. Don't be too hasty. Seek some godly wisdom before you go down that path. He might be saying to us, hey, curve ahead. I want you to have this be a turning point in your life. And I want you to proceed with caution, but I want you to make this decision that you're going to go into that curve at the speed I want you to go into that curve. And that means you need to turn away from your friends who are a bad influence on you. And I want you to turn toward me and follow after me. And yet, I'm afraid we don't heed the signs. I'm afraid we don't listen to the Lord's whisper in our life. We've got that joystick pressed forward. The result is we get off track. One other way I think we get off track that the Israelites got off track with is we just tend to drift away. We just tend to drift away from the Lord. You know, it's just kind of things just sort of, you know, life goes on and, and, and we're not really following the Lord anymore. Notice verse 7. Their children whom He, that would be the Lord, raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, and here's why, because they had not circumcised them along the way. This isn't a, a blatant act of disobedience. This is just a, just a neglect of God along the way. Uh, we can get out of habits for our lives. You know, like, well, we don't go to church quite as much as we, we used to. Or I know we're supposed to have quiet time with the Lord, you know, read the Bible, spend some time with Him, maybe first thing in the morning. But, you know, the alarm goes off, I'm a little tired, I kind of sleep in a little bit more. Praying, you know, I know I'm supposed to pray, discipline of prayer, but, you know, it just kind of seems to have been set aside. Um, I know the Lord wants me to use my gifts to serve Him, but, uh, eh, you know, I've got other things that seem to have crowded that out. You know, our tendency as people, our tendency is never to naturally drift toward the Lord. You don't hear people like, you know, well, you know, I, I just found myself following the Lord more and more. <laughs> it's just going to happen. No, it's always the opposite direction. We always tend to drift away from the Lord and we have to be intentional about staying on track with Him. We've got to put an effort forth toward that because it's not a part of our nature, at least our fallen nature. So how do we get back on track? How do, how do we kind of right, right ourselves? How do we crank the wheel? Well, quite simply and straightforwardly, we must listen to and obey the Lord. Period. 
That's pretty straight up. As the leader of Israel, Joshua listened to the Lord and did what the Lord told him. Which, by the way, when we want people to get on track as leaders, we've got to make sure that we're on track. Back up to verse 2 again. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make for yourself flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel a second time. And this is what happened. So Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath the Araloth. Joshua got back on track. But you can tell here, it wasn't just Joshua who got back on track. All the men of Israel, all the, the males of Israel, as painful as it was going to be, said, yes, I want to be back on track with the Lord as well. Yes, I want to do it His way. Now in the day and age that we're living, to get back on track with the Lord, you don't have to be circumcised. You read Acts chapter 15, you see that there was actually a debate in the New Testament era, like do you have to be circumcised in order to get on track with God? And the decision in Acts chapter 15 is no, you don't. And yet, we are to listen to and obey the Lord. So for instance, as an example, we have to get ourselves under the authority of God's Word. We have to make sure that God's Word is the authority in our lives. Like Colossians 3.16 or 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 or Hebrews 4.12 and 13. These are passages that tell us that God's Word must be the primary voice in our lives. Or, um, you know, we've got to be in church. We've got to be in relationship with other Christians and have Jesus as the Lord of our lives and the Lord of those relationships. I'll give you some passages that support that. Ephesians 5, 18-21. Colossians 3.16 again. Hebrews 10:24 and 25. They all speak to the idea that we have to encourage one another. We have to relate to one another. We have to worship the Lord together. Got to pray. This is a spiritual battle that we're in. And so, in Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10 and going through verse 18, particularly in verse 18, given this spiritual battle that we're in, we've got to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says we're supposed to pray without ceasing. Listen to and obey the Lord. Now, I could go through the Bible and tell you, and do this, and do that, and do this, and do that. And you're finding yourself going, okay, Lord, I'm listening, and I'm trying to obey, but it's so overwhelming if I really think about it. So many things that I've got to do. That's why we have to read passages like Psalm 46.10. Cease striving and know that I am God. Other translations say, be still. Stop. Listen. Be quiet with the Lord. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we talk about 
listening to and obeying the Lord, it can feel so heavy like, oh, I just have to do this and I've got to do that. And really, Jesus put it this way. When I say listen to and obey the Lord, he wraps it all up in these words. You know what this is all about? It's about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And loving our neighbor as ourselves. It's really about loving the Lord. Getting back on track is loving Him. Loving Him back. And to get back on track, don't wait. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Get back on track today. You know, Joshua could have said, okay, we've crossed the Jordan. Now let's conquer the land. Let's get settled in. And once we're settled in, we'll talk about some of the things that God wants for us, you know, doing the circumcision thing and all that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. Don't wait. Keep first things first. I've heard things like, you know, well, you know, after basketball season, then we're going to get back on track with what the Lord wants. Or, uh, you know, let me just first settle into this new job that I've got, and then, and then you know, once I'm kind of settled in and I'm, I'm in that routine, then I'm going to, you know, get back on track with what the Lord wants. Or I've heard, you know, once we have kids, you know, once we have kids, and once they get to that kind of age, then, then, then we'll go back to church. You know, then we'll kind of get back involved. Mm-mm. Don't wait. Keep first things first. Don't put it off. Do it now. Here's why we get back on track. We get back on track, I think, as the Israelites did for three reasons. First of all, to honor the Lord. We want to bring honor to the Lord in our lives. I mean, the world is watching, right? The world is watching. And we've got to bring honor to the Lord to this watching world. Look at verse 8. Now when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in their places in the camp until they, had, they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal means to roll. <laughs> it's this idea of rolling away the reproach of Egypt from us, from Israel. Well, ever since... Uh, The Israelites left Egypt, left their slavery from Egypt, crossed the Red Sea. They're wandering in the wilderness. Egypt, a very powerful empire in that day and age, was spreading propaganda against Israel's God. They were saying that uh, their God has brought them out into the desert, out into the wilderness, so that he might destroy them. Well, now that they're in the promised land, everyone can see, well, that was just Egypt's opinion. And their opinion was wrong. Worse than that, their opinion was a lie. And now we can see that God has brought the Israelites into the promised land. And the world spreads propaganda against the church. Even against Jesus, our Lord. Like, I've heard things like, uh, we hate certain types of people. I don't know anyone I hate. Or we're two-faced, you know? 
Uh, we present ourselves one way in public, but behind the scenes, you know, we're something else. And I get it. Sometimes it's true. But by and large, this is propaganda. Or we're just, we just want people's money, you know. Really what the church is all about is just getting people's money. We want to bring honor to the Lord so that no matter what lies might be spread about us, we would honor Him to the watching world. We would bring honor to His name to the world around us. It's how we get back on track. And we, or it's why we get back on track. And the second reason why we get back on track is to do things God's way. I mean, we want to do things God's way, don't we? Look at what verse 10 says. While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. The Passover, that was a celebration, a festival that uh, actually the Israelites still do to this day. The, the Jews still do to this day. It was the last judgment that God brought on Egypt that finally broke the back of the Egyptians so that the Israelites could be rescued from their bondage, from their slavery in Egypt and um, go and cross the Red Sea, etc., etc. Celebrating the Passover, however, if you read the time when they were in the wilderness, it is extremely sparse. Like celebrating the Passover for those 40 years, like once, maybe twice when they were in the wilderness, is it recorded that they did it? And what Joshua was doing here is he's saying, okay, let's get back on track. Let's do things God's way. And God wants us to celebrate the Passover, and so that's exactly what we're going to do. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. God's way is the right way. And if we don't do it God's way, it's the wrong way. Period. Now this relentless pursuit of doing things God's way is easier said than done. I mean, it can get kind of confusing to try and navigate you know, how to do things God's way. Because let's face it, um, some things in life are not black and white. Some things in life, when we're saying, well, I wonder what God wants me to do, it's not like clearly spelled out in the Bible. It's, it's not very clear. And so we're trying to seek wisdom and we're not quite sure what direction to go. And so, yeah, it's not easy. Wrestling with our emotions tends to get in the way of doing things God's way. You know, like, okay, God, I know, I know what your will is, but I'm angry. Or I know what you desire for my life, but I've been hurt, and I don't know that I want to fix that right now. And so our emotions can, can mess with us when God wants us to do it His way and get back on track. I know that... Um, Sometimes, I think doing it God's way can be confusing because, well, let's face it, we, we grew up being taught one thing and, and now we're hearing something else and it's like, well, wait a minute here. You mean to tell me that what my parents taught me all those years and raised me that way, that that's actually not your way, God? You mean like I have to do something totally different than what I've been raised to know? And that's pretty, you know, that kind of shakes up our world. We can even say, well, wait, the church that I grew up in used to teach this, and now you're saying that's wrong? That that's not what the Bible says? And we can find ourselves sort of on this shaky ground like, oh boy, I mean, yeah, I want to do it God's way, but I'm not quite sure what that is. And yet God is calling us today 
to get back on track, to be courageous, to make the changes that we must make as best we can to align ourselves with Him and His truth. As hard as it is, as painful as it can be, and for the guys in Israel, it was quite painful. And it might be painful for us emotionally or painful for us spiritually. And yet God is saying, now's the time. Don't put it off. It's time to get back on track because God's way is the right way. And when we get on track with God, I can guarantee you this, we'll see Him care for us. We will see that He provides for us. Look at verse 11. On the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. The manna ceased on that day, on the, on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. For 40 years, all they ate was manna. Can you imagine your whole life eating one thing? I mean, you know, manna for breakfast, manna for lunch, manna for supper, manna for a bedtime snack, manna, 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 manna. Now, you can, you know, try to make it look sort of nice, like, let's have manna pancakes this morning, you know? Here's what we're having for lunch. We're going to have manna sandwiches. And for supper, manna soup. Actually, let's go Italian. Manna cotti. <laughs> I know, it's cheap. It's chintzy. It's bad. <laughs> manna, manna, manna. Now for the first time, they get to eat the produce of the land. Even unleavened cakes and parched grain Tastes delicious if all you eat is manna. But this is a land flowing with milk and honey. I don't think they listed everything that they ate, but just imagine all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, 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 oh this is so good. Oh, have you tried? Oh, mm, man, that's good. Utterly delicious. God taking care of them. And now they get to enjoy the produce of the land. When we get back on track, when we stay on track with the Lord, we'll see, us that, we'll see that He supplies us with our every need. Jesus promised it. In Matthew chapter 6, and verse 33, He says, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Get on track with the Lord, and all these things will be added to you. And in the context, He's speaking of You'll be clothed. You'll have the food that you need. Everything that you need. Seek to be on track with the Lord. And you and I will see how He takes care of us. How He'll provide for exactly what we need. We will witness God's goodness in tangible ways. Getting on track with the Lord means we completely surrender to Him. We completely surrender our lives to the Lord. Which means our delight 
is not in the things that He might get us or give to us, but our delight is in Him. That He is our delight. That we say, Lord, I, I love You more than anything. I love You, Lord. I give my life to You, Lord. I let You unfold my life how You want to unfold it. I'm committing to seek after You. Seek after Your kingdom. Seek after Your will. Seek after Your righteousness. Whatever You say is right for me is what I'm going to delight in. And we'll see that He will take care of us. God will provide for us. So how are you doing on your journey? How am I doing on my journey? <laughs> on that road that we're cruising down, have we fallen asleep at the wheel? Have we drifted off course? Maybe as you're hearing what happens with the Israelites out of Joshua 5, maybe what the Lord is going to do in your life even now is He's shining some headlights right at you. It's time to make a quick course correction. It's time to crank the wheel to the right. It's time to make sure that we're back on track with God. For others, this might be a little bit of a shake of the face. A little bit of a rolling down of the window and let the breeze of the Holy Spirit blow over you to say, okay, let's get alert. Let's be awake. Let's, let's make sure that our lives are aligned with what God desires. Let's get back on the direction that God wants us to go. When we do, we're going to see that we bring honor to Him. We're going to see that He's going to take care of us. So let's do it God's way, not ours. Let's pray. Yes, Lord. For some of us, it's maybe just a little tweak. Get back on track. For others of us, Lord, it might be a big jerk of the wheel because we're heading into a place that's quite dangerous. I know you know the hearts and the lives of every person here in a deep and intimate way. And I ask by your Spirit that in who they are, what their story is, they would turn to you now. By your Spirit, you would move them. Get back on track with you. To delight in you more than anything. Focus on You more than anything. Lord, help us to be women and men who are fully surrendered to You. You're not just a part of our lives. You're the very center of our lives.